Hello and welcome to Okawa Book Club. We're your hosts. I'm Hannah. I'm John. And on this podcast, we'll be discussing the books of international best selling author, world teacher, and CEO of Happy Science, Master Ryuho Okawa. As of June 1st, 2022, Master Ryuho Okawa has published over 3,000 titles on such topics as self help, religion, spirituality, politics, and economic prosperity. That's right. And today, we'll be talking about The Unknown Stigma, parts one and two. And this is the first of a trilogy series in the new genre, spiritual mystery. Very interesting, isn't it? Absolutely. So, part one is called The Mystery, and Unknown Stigma Part Two is called The Resurrection. So, let's dive right in. So, and、um, the first one, The Mystery, it starts off very、Perfect. shocking,、mm. yeah, traumatic. Yeah, I would、and、say so. It's kind of a way of introducing a story that's really shocking. But it provokes a lot of like whys and how dark the world can be and very frustrating. Yeah.、Well. How did you feel about it? Yeah, I, I've read so many of、uh, Master Kawa's books and you know, they're always filled with light. So it, it was really a different experience to see him discussing.、Uh, Kind of the underworld of society. You know, and, and I think that's something present throughout the, the first novel specifically. There are you know, there's instances of assault and murder and gang members and things of that nature. And you really get to sort of get an idea of the dark side of human nature. And, but beyond that, it, there's discussion of things that are influencing that behind the scenes. And that's where. These spiritual elements, I think,、uh, start to come in initially. I mean, and, and they're pervasively there. But at the same time, you know, there is a lot of very concrete、uh, elements in the story, which I enjoyed as well. And it's a nice blend. Yeah. It really went, it was like a roller coaster ride. Yeah. <laughs> so many emotions. And I kept thinking throughout reading it, like, why was this mentioned? Or why did it start like this? And. I guess for me, all in all, it was almost the contrast of light and evil、mm. and the stark differences and how ultimately there is light at the end of the tunnel, but you really have to do a lot of mind work and spiritual work, and you can't do it unless you really do that spiritual work. So that's kind of one thing I took away from it. I wanted to ask you in the first book, what was your most memorable? Part or more significant memory of the book? That's a tough one. I mean, there was. I remember as I was first reading it, what I, something I really liked was the pacing. Like, it wasn't. It's not totally linear.、Uh, or the story itself maybe is linear, but there's, you're getting it from different vantage points and there's different elements happening and you're really not sure、uh, what the nature of the protagonist is. You know,、mm-hmm. you're not sure is this person like, embodying a sense of goodness? Are they, is there a sense of malevolence behind them?、Um, there was one scene, though, where the protagonist、uh, has sort of like a spiritual attack in the middle of the night、mm-hmm. where、um, there's like a, a god of death or Shinigami.、Uh, and I thought that scene was very interesting because there's like a moment of temptation,、mm-hmm. you know, where、mm-hmm. there's. She's given this opportunity to seek revenge, or, and, and she denies it though. And that's where you really, I think, gain a sense of 
the benevolence that she's embodying. Mm. And it kind of fulfills... It gives, like, some closure. <laughs> That's <laughs> true, yeah. And it's almost like you understand why these things happen. Mm. And I think... I don't remember if it was part one or two, but I guess it was part two. They talked to some of the people from her past and said, is she this type of person, for example? And oh, yeah. they said no. But it really traces in those, um, when they dissect her thoughts, like where these incidents come from or how they can happen. And right. that's where like I feel the spiritual mystery aspect of it. A lot of things that happen in this world isn't A plus B equals C anymore. And right. I really felt that this book kind of teaches us there's other factors to why things happen and that kind of merciful conclusion in hmm. a sense in the end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was like reading a movie. It was yeah. very, very vivid and exciting and very like scary. And every time I thought, okay, is this going to be contained here? It kind of expands out more. I'm like, oh my God, there's so many parts. And then, oh my God, it went even further. And then in part two, it introduces like world politics. I'm right. like, where is this going? And then, of course, in like the ending part, it, it goes even to the galaxy. Right. So it's really interesting how and intricate the story plot. I don't think I've. I'm not too much into sci-fi personally, but this is. I think a lot of people who are into sci-fi might be very interested. It kind of clashes the different genres of people to enjoy this one book. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I think that it, there's almost like a process of like layers sort of expanding. It, it's so strange because, like you said, it's like it's starting very sort of microcosmic. Right. You know, it's just there's a few people. It's kind of normal. There's the detectives uh, mm-hmm. solving a case, a few characters, and then before you know it, there's intelligence agencies and military involved and war and yeah, the whole geopolitical you know uh, warfare. It's amazing mm-hmm. how, and I think like. In a way, it feels like it kind of gives you a sense of seeing your own place in the cosmos mm-hmm. and, and the interconnectedness with everything. That's very true. And, and I thought that was kind of a cool element of it, you know. What do you feel about the relevance of the things happening? Like, he did speak of the coronavirus mm. in the book of the war in Ukraine. And he, yes, he changed some of the names of these leaders, but we know who they are. Right. What do you feel about the relevance of now in this book? Yeah, I mean, I th- think uh, it's, it's incredibly contemporary. It gives a unique perspective on the present state of geopolitics and perhaps even more importantly, potential directions that it could go in. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think the sequence of events we see in The Unknown Stigma 2 is like, I mean, for many people, it might be considered sort of a worst-case scenario. But it's interesting because it is, much of it is in part catalyzed by true divinity. So, and again, it, it causes you to question the nature of, like, what is comfortable versus, versus what is necessary. Right. And I think that seeing that on that sort of macrocosmic, uh, worldwide mm-hmm. scale, it, it's also reflected inwardly mm-hmm. in some of the characters. And, mm-hmm. But, um... Yeah, returning to your original question, that kind of went tangential. Uh, I think the insights into the different wars that are happening and potential wars, they're great. And for people who aren't as well read or don't keep up to date with geopolitics or who only are getting one side of it from the media wherever they live, I think it gives a nice 
overview. Also a sense of the spiritual dynamics that mm-hmm. are underlying them. Yeah. Which is something that you're not really going to get anywhere right. else. Right. No one ever talks about that factor. Mm-hmm. And this book really talks about how the power of prayer and faith can really manifest and it's demonstrated in this book quite powerfully. And I think that was a hint to wake up people's subconscious minds and to consider faith again. Because mm. throughout the book, it talks about how our civilization and civilizations of the past have disappeared because of materialism and atheism. So we are seriously headed in that path. But, you know, what we're saying now is maybe like, what are they talking about to the <laughs> podcast listener? But what we want to do is like provoke interest. And it does sound bittersweet. Some people mm. have said this book is extremely hopeful. And some people have said it was very doomy gloomy. How do you feel about it? I think that sometimes destruction brings creation. And I think it's necessary. Um, and I think that was the idea in it. It's like society going to a point where it's not going to be coming back. So if things just tip too far, then there's there might be no op- option uh, other than, as we've seen in the past, than for just the reset. And we today we think of those things as myths and we already laugh at the most people, but that shows how far we've sort of degraded, right? right. You know, yeah. towards the end of a cycle and mm-hmm. are in need of mm-hmm. a new beginning unless we can... Well, either way, even mm-hmm. if we do, you know, collectively shift ourselves mm-hmm. into a, a more benevolent way of living. Yeah, and I felt like this book was kind of telling us, too, that there's more to just survival mm-hmm. in this earth, that this isn't everything. And right. what does it mean to thrive? What are we here for? If we're not here just to eat and survive and breathe. And a lot of, well, it interplays how politics can make people want to live in that way, in that mindset, and just think, oh, just as long as you're taken care of, you should need for nothing else. But what is that even for, right? (laughs) Right. And we can't ignore um, their innermost, like, desires to be happy and to, to have faith and things like that. So I really felt thriving is how we should be living not just surviving yeah yeah absolutely and and there's even like i feel like the the main protagonist like she really throughout these books undergoes this process of individuation and um but and that's not even the end like that's a means to the end of Mm. just coming into her purpose and you know realizing a sense of uh, divinity in one's mission in life and it's really beautiful but um you know there are definitely forces wanting making people want to think that just material resources that's it and then but it's kind of a hollow uh yeah existence it's kind of sad i think it was just so finite like that um she also demonstrates in the book how or what mindset to have to draw upon the power of god or um, I don't want to give too much away, but she's a very important person mm. in this world. And one part that stood out to me was when they were talking about how, or what I took from it was, countries should ally with God. Right. Look up. Don't just look across. And who's the one who's who has God's mind or the world's best intentions in mind, not just their country? Right. Those countries... Are allowed to survive and prosper so when we think about that and different look at the different countries on earth 
I mean, it seems now a lot of quote unquote evil countries are thriving, but there is divine power hmm. in play. Yeah, I just think it's really important to think, ally yourself with God first. Yeah. That goes from a personal and also to a macro level. If we ally with prayer and meditation and, and like truth, instead of what the media tells us what to think or what right. these government people are trying to make us feel and think, I think that we will stay in line and, and be able to, quote-unquote, survive and thrive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I thought there was, like, almost a kind of meta-commentary about in that way of, like, uh, you know, there's this theme of horizontal hierarchies being pushed, I think, in the media a lot right now, you know, just the everybody being on equal ground and no no vertical hierarchy but for, we need vertical hierarchy it's natural i mean mm-hmm. everything in nature is vertical mm-hmm. hierarchy mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. and i ultimately that points to god at the summit and yeah i think we need that and uh, I, I love what you said there like on an individual level on a you know on a national level and you know everything in between and beyond mm-hmm. yes and I mean, I don't know about you, but I really wish there was an Agnes in this world. <laughs> I'm still secretly hoping that this book is not just a novel, but <laughs> but it is scary if it was not a novel and just like a premonition. <laughs> but I also took it as, is there an Agnes in us, mm. in each one of us? And yeah, how do we resurrect that person or that being inside of us? Yeah, I started to think about what happened to her in the past, the dark past in history that she had was so ugly. But then she is actually in this novel, the almost the most important human being or second most important yeah. person on earth. So to me, it says like, no matter what you're going through, you're still important. You still have a huge mission bigger than, you know, bigger than you think. So keep pressing forward is the message that I got. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that was an underlying theme, you know, like, like she has these incredibly traumatic experiences and not only does it not reflect poorly on her, but it it's something that actually acts as the catalyst for her to come into herself, you know, and I think that in society today there's this such a victimization mentality push mm, you know true, yeah and like this is something that's saying like yes she was the victim of a crime but she never held that as like the fulcrum of her personality that mm-hmm. wasn't who she was mm-hmm. you know she became something far greater right. um and through the books that just keeps expanding and but it was catalyzed by that experience so i think like looking at the difficulties and traumatic experiences we've had and growing from them and seeing that maybe they were bad but maybe there was something good that came about it within ourselves some type of resilience some type of a newfound faith whatever it might be mm-hmm. so this book is uh again we mentioned in the beginning that it's a new genre spiritual mystery and um i read this book so quickly like i think it's like the fastest book i've ever read i mean it's not too long but it's just you couldn't put it down. I agree. And um, it was literally like going through scenes and places on the planet and zooming and zooming. It was very exciting. And the way he put it together, again, was really incredible um, from personal or micro to macro level. Mm. And I thought that 
this was like, um, maybe a lot of sci-fi books do this, but it's kind of boring because it's like way too much detail. But the way Master Okawa put it was like the essential elements of what needs to be known and like then on to the next scene. So it was very like catches your attention. And I felt so many people will have a lot of um, fun reading this book. But of course, it's not a fun (laughs) per se. It's not the word I wanted to use, but very enlightening. Yeah. Yeah. Prolific book. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's I found it to be a fast read as well. Um, and a very enjoyable read. And uh, yeah, the pacing is great. It's, and like you said, it's it's concise in all the right ways. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing is, uh, some authors can certainly yeah. ramble on about the same scene for 10 pages. That's, yeah. that's not what you're going to get here. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's a nice, smooth read. Uh, and I'd really highly recommend it to anybody. Yes, again, this is a part of a trilogy series. Part 3 will be coming out very soon. The Unknown Stigma 1 and 2 print-on-demand paperback is now available on Amazon.com. And Unknown Stigma Part 3 will be coming out later this week. So The hardcover versions of 1, 2, and 3 are coming to bookstores in October, November, and December, respectively. For more information, please visit okawabooks.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you for part three. Thank you.